0: So more.
1: Welcome to Women Leading in Cannabis. I'm your host, Kira Reed. Thank you so much for joining us today. We have a very special guest. Her name is Carson Humiston, and many of you know her as the founder of Banks. Welcome, Carson.
0: Thank you, Kira. I'm excited to be here today and really excited that you're doing this podcast. Thank
1: you so much. Thank you for being my first guest. And I am really excited to talk with you as well. Carson is the founder of Banks the largest staffing company in cannabis, with over 80 employees prior to COVID. She was acknowledged on the Forbes 30 under 30 list, and Banks was awarded with Entrepreneurs 100 Brilliant Companies of 2018. So impressive. Thank you, Carson. I'm really looking forward to digging into a conversation around leadership with you. You've got a lot of experience under your belt in these last four years. So let's start. I want to hear about your background. What led you to founding Banks?
0: Yeah, so when I was a senior in college, I went to college in upstate New York, St. Lawrence University, and I was doing a student travel company at the time called On Track Adventures. Really had developed a large network of students and recent college graduates in my network. Of course, they're graduating college. What does everybody need? Jobs. Started asking around, doing surveys, asking what industries people were interested in getting jobs in, and the majority of people were really interested in jobs in the cannabis space. I didn't know anything about the cannabis space, not a huge cannabis consumer myself, but because there was all this uh, you know, interest in cannabis jobs, I took a and you know, I, I took a trip out to some trade shows, started learning more about the industry and found that there is a lot of jobs and that employers were having a really challenging time finding great employees. And so that was really where the idea came from. So I graduated undergrad, got in my car, moved out to Colorado and Started, we initially started with the name Graduana, and uh, green jobs for grads. If you Google Graduana, right, there's a, you know, our logo still is on the internet, and it's a graduation um, cap with like a weed leaf coming off the side. And so we started out by just placing interns and recent college grads and quickly realized that the needs were, you know, far more than just interns and recent college grads, and there was an opportunity to connect high-level folks with jobs, temporary folks with jobs. And that's what we've been you – know, we, at some point, we rebranded to Vangst. And ever since then, we've been focused on really helping our clients get connected with any other hiring needs.
1: So I saw on your social media that you are incredibly involved with your staff, which, as I mentioned, you have around 80 employees, which in four years, congratulations, that's really impressive. How do you keep involved with them? How do you keep them motivated? And I see that they actually have a real sense of pride in working at banks. How did you accomplish that?
0: Yeah, so unfortunately right now we have a little, you know, we um, our business slowed down a bit with COVID and we had to furlough some folks. So our team's smaller than 80 now, but that was where it was at our at our height. And we're optimistic that actually even now, it seems as though the world's starting to pick back up, and hiring is starting to pick back up, and we're starting to bring some furloughed people back. But you know, I think that my style is more of a—we're um, you know, a venture-backed company, but our culture is more of a family-style business. And so, I spend time getting to know everybody on a personal level, which, especially in the early days, is so important. You know, I read this—I read this great book, and it was describing early-stage companies as a tribe. And then eventually you move to a village, and then you know, and then it progresses on. But especially in the tribe stage, right? It really is a, a family, right? You're working out of a some cases an apartment or a tiny office, and the only way it can work is if you have each other's back completely, and you know each other as people, not just as oh we work together, we don't know anything about each other. I can't imagine going to work with people that I don't enjoy being around. I mean, what's the point of? Or starting a company if you're going to not like the people that are around. And so I am lucky to get along really well with most people that work for banks and, and have gotten the chance to get to know them as people, not just as employees. And I really think that it's, it's helped us get through great times, right? We've had really fast growth, especially, you know, in, in our first few years and then harder times, right? I think COVID was definitely one of the, was the biggest challenge that our company had gone through and certainly there had been a lot of little challenges leading up to it. But I think the relationship that we all have with each other and the culture that we have really helped us get through it. And, and I think will help us um, come out on top of it.
1: So tell me a little bit about how COVID has challenged you as a leader.
0: Well, we've never, I've never for four years, it's been all hiring. I mean, we, there's so many, there was so many more jobs to fill. Right? We never had an issue with, Bringing in business, so um, it was just hire, hire, hire as fast as you can, and how can we fill these jobs as fast as we can during a global pandemic? Hiring stops. Uh, There's, and a lot of our clients went from hiring to furloughing and firing, and so of course, with that, that means that there's not as much for our team to do, and there's not as much business coming in. And so, as I said, and I'm, and I'm, you know, I think some people that do furloughs try to. Keep it under wraps or, or self conscious about it. I'm not self conscious about it, and neither is anyone on our team. We did furloughs because hiring stopped, and that's our business. And so, the, I mean, that was really challenging, right? It was challenging for our leadership team, it was challenging for the rest of our team. And, uh, you know, of course, really what was challenging for us the folks that we unfortunately had to furlough. So, that was a challenge and continues to be.
1: So, with so many essential workers in cannabis, You know, cannabis is kind of in this weird place where, yes, we are laying people off, but we're also considered an essential service. So we have a lot of workers on the front line. I would imagine that a lot of business owners are kind of laying at your feet the issues that they're having. How do they take care of their staff? What precautions do they need to take? Can they hire? And you're hiring people into a more dangerous potentially situation.
0: And so to your point, I mean, I feel really lucky that we're in the cannabis industry, right? There's many industries where hiring companies would have really been in trouble during, some, during this type of pandemic. And so given that cannabis is an essential service, there are still needs for particularly gig workers. And so a line of our business is clients will have a need for whether it be five trimmers, five bud tenders, two packagers, they post a gig on our platform, we have a vetted pool of candidates that apply to the gig. And then they go and they work the gig. And so that there continued, as you said, uh, and there was a need for frontline gig workers. And so um, you know, we but we employ these folks. and so as a in a way, we're an essential business. And so things that we did um, is we we provided masks and gloves to all of our staff. We at the facilities, they were doing temperature checks. And we would check in with our employees every day to make sure, okay, Today, after work, you went right home. You were not exposed to anybody who may have had COVID. You don't feel as though you have any symptoms. And so really over communicating with the staff and making sure you're providing them with the equipment that they need to feel safe. And if anyone right has a temperature or they were around a cousin, brother, sister who had symptoms, making sure that they don't go to the gig. And so that's what we did on our end. And you know, we're lucky that we, you know, in, in the sense that we're not the actual facility. And so we don't have all those types of cleaning responsibilities, but we did make sure that we were, every client that we engage, we asked them to send us a list of their procedures, right, to make sure that they're complying with all the state regulation and guidance to, for, for, for cleaning and, and all those types of things.
1: I would imagine you feel a serious sense of responsibility for anyone that you place in any job right now
0: yeah yeah i mean we're not going to place you know there's there's been customers who they simply are just not meeting and taking this as seriously as they need to be and we passed on that business
1: i noticed that on your social media you've got a lot of images of meetings with you and your staff on zoom and i noticed one where everyone was making heart symbols with their hands everybody's smiling I get the feeling that you are still leading a very productive, very excited team. How are you managing to keep them motivated and productive and inspired in the middle of COVID with all of these challenges around them?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great question. And it's at the end of the day that our team is still very excited about our long-term business opportunity. So while there's been a bump in the road, whether that be from the, quote, Canna session, which was a result of... Companies being extremely overvalued and, and operating inefficiently and having, you know, unexperienced management teams that resulted in a lot of layoffs happening in the cannabis space before COVID happened. And then COVID happened on top of it. So, you know, to your question around how do you keep the bank staff motivated when they're seeing all of our clients going from doing hiring to doing layoffs? It really comes down to. Us continuing to reinforce our belief in the long term of this business, and 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 to just share those thoughts with you. There is two hundred and fifty thousand people employed in the cannabis space right now. By and over the next five years, in five years from now, it's projected that there will be a million employees working in the cannabis space. So that's seven hundred and fifty thousand new jobs created, and we're the people that fill those jobs. And so while there's some things. It need to happen in order to, you know, get the ball rolling on job creation and growth in the industry, whether that happens in two years, five years, eight years, right, we're going to be positioned perfectly. And all the while during this small bump, it gives us a chance to, it gives us a chance to really make sure that our offerings are tight. And so we're so excited about the platform that we built and we think it's going to be great for cannabis businesses. And during this slower hiring time, we've invested a ton of resources and in, co- in continuing to build out the platform. We're investing resources into direct hire training. We've tightened up that direct hire team so that we have the best recruiters working on the best roles. And so really I think that we're um, framing this as an opportunity to support the clients who need our support now and uh, to, to build out our offering so that when hiring picks back up, we're there for our clients stronger than before. And I know that's what definitely keeps me and our exec team motivated. And I, and I think that that's what keeps our, the, the rest of our staff motivated. And just the chance to build an industry through people, right? There's, there's 750,000 jobs that we'll be able to connect people with and change those people's lives and help them get jobs in a super exciting industry. I, I think people are very motivated by that.
1: Okay, so... Let's talk about your, the external part of your company, where you lead as a thought leader. So you're actually using your company as a platform to raise awareness about racial injustice in cannabis, and you've pivoted to providing listings to companies during COVID for free. I read that on your website yesterday. These are very progressive ideas about how a modern company operates. And you're using your influence as a founder to create a thriving company culture as well as having a strong social impact. And these are really hard choices for a lot of companies. They still can't make in their own business. We've, you know, we, we've got people in the world who keep saying, you know, we need to change company culture. We need companies to be more active in social justice issues. They need to be better citizens in their communities, but they still can't do it. So what has given you the strength or the insight to blaze that trail and to kind of lead your company from day one as that progressive ideal of a company?
0: I mean, I think it is it's in some ways startups have it's easier for them to make change because we don't have to work the idea up the corporate ladder. And so in terms of the social equity program that we launched, actually now almost a year and a half ago, right? That came in that came in response to listening to the community and hearing that in learning about the injustices that existed in the space. I didn't know about a lot of the injustices in the cannabis space prior to going into it. And so as I worked in the industry and, and learned more about this, me and the rest of our organization felt that we were sitting in a position where we could make a change. We could help people that were recently released from prison and the reentry process find jobs in the cannabis space. We could continue to encourage our employ our our customers to build diverse staffs and educate them on the benefits of building diverse staff and make sure that when we're presenting candidates to a client that we're presenting a diverse set of candidates. And so we felt we were perfectly positioned to make a difference here. And that's and that's exactly why we did it. And again, I to the point, I'm not sure that I, I've said this to you, but I say it a lot, we're building the cannabis industry from nothing. And so we have the chance to build one of the most inclusive industries in the country and an industry that others seek to be more like. And but that requires every single company to step up and make that happen. It would be great if the cannabis industry could be one of the most inclusive industries out there and us being the hiring resource, being the ones. Going out and recruiting folks to join the space and guiding clients on how to make hiring, um, you really feel that we play a huge part in that, and and that's why we why we set out on these initiatives. In terms of making our our platform free during COVID, again, we're here for the long term. We're not here to make a quick buck today. We're thinking about building a long sustaining business. I think, the will be one, I think the cannabis industry will be one. I think cannabis industry will be one of the biggest industries created in our lifetime. And I think this is a business that can exist for our lifetime and can continue supplying the best talent to this industry. And really the industry is just in its infancy. And so putting these types of programs in place from day one will set the industry up for success 20, 30 years from now. And that's what we're constantly thinking about. And so to to the pricing, your pricing question, right? Our clients are struggling right now, as is everybody. And so, how can we prove to them that we're here for them for the long term? If that's you can post your job and match with candidates for free during this time because, you know, um, you you have some hiring needs but you, you can't pay for it right now, and uh, we we want to do that for our clients. And so that's how we did that.
1: So we've talked about how COVID has had an impact on your business. I want to, and we've you know, the world has been hit by two major events recently: COVID and the George Floyd death and Black Lives Matter protests.
0: because You
1: already have had a very equitable view of the world. You, you've already been training people on diversity and hiring. But how have the protests, you know, Banks is really kind of a vital part of that hiring chain in cannabis. How have the protests and calls for racial justice made you look differently at hiring, the hiring process, and banks' role in the community so that you make sure people of color are able to find jobs, get hired, and find more jobs in executive positions?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, I, I think that the protests have really shined a light on things that were going on in the country that maybe people didn't know about. And so what we've seen is an overwhelming response from our clients to say, you know what, we haven't done as much as we can. Our staff is not as diverse as we can be. We, um, we are not doing our part as the cannabis businesses to fight these racial injustices. And so we've seen through the protests a large response from the cannabis community all wanting to step up here, which I think is great because right, it's one thing for banks to say, say hey, You your company exists of all middle-aged white men. That's not diversity. And have the clients say, yeah, 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 you're right. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. And then they never get to it. I think now companies are going to be held more accountable to build diverse teams. And that's exactly what we've been preaching from day one. And so I I think overall companies are going to be taking this much more seriously now. And do you
1: have programs in place to to make sure that you're reaching people of color, or do you find that you have a very large number of people of color responding to your ads? I, I, you know, I've got a good friend who works in the diversity world and she's made it really clear that one of the problems is there, you know, there are a lot of jobs and there are a lot of people looking for work, but they're not being placed in a, where people, in the communities where people of color can actually find out about the job.
0: So we're partnered up with several community organizations, number one, Number two, we have three recruiters on our team who have had jobs in the past where this was their sole recruiting job. So we have uh, Dina, Kelsey, and Justinian, and this was their—they spent a lot of time working on this. And so as recruiters, they've been trained on how to ensure that the jobs are reaching these types of candidates, right? And 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 that's what what they're focusing on. So we have that going for us. We've partnered up with 70 million jobs, an organization that focuses on helping people that are in the reentry process land jobs. And so we have access to their database of candidates. We're partnered with Last Prisoner Project, who is can- very cannabis specific. And yeah, there's several community organizations that we're partnered up with as well. So, so And, and, and jo- there's certain job boards that nowadays you can post on. And, and so um, I, I think that our recruiters have a good system in place for reaching diverse set of candidates.
1: And what advice are you giving to business owners and hiring personnel when they come to you and say, look, we need to make sure we have a more diverse base or how do we go about doing this? What are you, how are you guiding them? What advice are you giving them on how to honestly and with integrity build out a diversity program as opposed to just kind of tacking it on to make themselves look good? But how Mm -hmm. do they actually live that?
0: Look, we're not diversity and inclusion experts by any means, right? We've, we've done training internally and we do the things that I just suggested that work for our business. But what we recommend is there's some partners out there that do diversity and inclusion trainings. We recommend that if a company is just at ground zero, that they go through this training and they work to build a plan because it isn't just hiring. It's once you make the hire setting the employees up for success, right? Making sure that um, in the workplace, everybody's voice and opinion is valued and heard. So there's a, there's a lot more to it than just, oh, okay, we want to do a diversity and inclusion program. Boom, we're going to post a job and hire a, hire a Black person, right? That's not diversity, right? Diversity means having all different types of people with all different backgrounds in the organization. That doesn't just mean, does not mean all white people, all black people, all Hispanic people, right? It's a combination of people. And there there needs to be some thought that, that goes into it. And so I do think that companies that just try to swing this together without knowing anything about it generally fail. And so we recommend companies go through a diversity inclusion program, really understand what it entails and think through how they're going to build it out.
1: Awesome. I, I really commend you for all of the work that you've done prior to the protest to ensure that diversity is included across the board, whether it's vets by age, sexual orientation, race. There are so many incredibly talented people in cannabis who in other industries really wouldn't get a chance to shine. So it's great to know that VANKS is supporting everyone who's qualified getting work. My hat talk to you on that. So, Carson, as a woman in cannabis where has your leadership been challenged where have you felt like you've had to work harder or rise to the occasion in a way that you don't necessarily see your male counterparts being challenged
0: you know I've had a pretty good experience I have to be completely honest which I know is not the norm But I've never really gone to a meeting where I've thought, oh, I was treated differently in this meeting because I'm a woman. And I do think that has to do with the inclusive nature of cannabis. However, that said, I've spoken to many of my female founder friends, um, female investors in the space, right? And they've, um, they've had a much different experience. You know, I think early on, there was some instances where Thanks was just getting going. I was just getting going and you go in and you talk to someone and they sort of treat you like you have no idea what's going on. Hey, like, Hey, um, 23 year old woman trying to start a business. Let me tell you how this is going to work and kind of like patronizing behavior. But I'm not sure if that's in response to my age or the fact that I'm a woman. So I've definitely had some of that. And now like four years later, um, I think that the the tone from some of those early folks has changed. So, yeah, I can't really think of any specific examples off the top of my head. Overall, I've had positive experience starting this business and really haven't felt any, um, like, gender discrimination.
1: I mean, that's good that you don't have so many cases of that happening that they're just overflowing. So, you know, I I think it also is something that speaks to your leadership style in that, you know, you've created an environment where it's, everyone is welcome and accepted on an equal footing, and that probably mitigates a lot of those kinds of issues that you would have. Well, I, I'm out of questions. I have really learned quite a bit, and I'm very inspired and impressed by the way that you've been leading banks, and I'm very excited for the future. Is there anything else you'd like to share with us about leadership, about the future of banks before we go?
0: No, I I was, I really appreciate you starting this podcast. I mean, I think that it's so important that you're bringing all types of women onto this podcast and letting them tell their stories and talk through the leadership style and, and giving women a voice in the cannabis space. So I think it's amazing that you're doing this and I really love the conversation and appreciate the time.
1: Oh, thank you so much. Ditto. I'm very impressed with what you're doing with banks. And if there's anything that I can ever do or women empowered in cannabis can ever do to support you, please let me know. We are big advocates of the whole style and the whole approach that you're using in your leadership, not just internally, but also externally and how you represent the company in cannabis. We really need companies that are leading to legitimize to destigmatize to show the world that cannabis companies are just as legit as every other industry and I am very excited to see that Vanks is going to be a leader in that fight. So thank you for everything that you do for the women in the industry, for people of color in the industry and for the industry as a whole.
0: Yeah, thank you for everything you're, you're doing as well.
1: <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for tuning in and we will see you or we will talk with you next time. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Joyce Gerber, the creator and host of the award-winning podcast, The Canna Mom Show. And we are on a mission to enhance the impact women have on this industry as business professionals, healthcare providers, policy advocates, caregivers, moms, by sharing and preserving their stories of love and kindness, wisdom, and hope. I am so grateful to have found my tribe of cannabis podcasters right here on pod and look forward to our work of crushing the stigma around cannabis and caregivers and building this new industry together.